For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found Modern Mammals, and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast, and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me, and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome. I'm your host, Shane Told. Like every week, as I take you into the backstage conversations that I have with other lead singers, and we got a great episode this week. This is a long-awaited guest. We talk about how, I think like five years ago, this was discussed and I'm so glad it's finally happening. Jeff Rickley of Thursday is here. We go way back. We go way deep. Old stories and old memories. And I was smiling. I don't know if you hear it in my voice right now, but I'm smiling right now just thinking about the smiling I did for the hour we spoke. Um, even after we finished the podcast and we hit stop, we still talked for like another 20 minutes. This guy's awesome. I love all his projects. Thursday's obviously just legendary at this point, but to pick his brain was a real treat, and I can't wait for all y'all to hear this thing. It's a good one. Before we get into that, you know, some show news, some things I want you to be aware of. The first one, real simple. If you want to get in touch with me, you always can. You can send me an email lead singer syndrome at gmail.com i read them all but the big news is that we are taking this podcast on to twitch we've been doing it for a couple months now but it's getting 
more serious every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I am having a guest live. You get to see us on video. It's completely free and you can even interact with us in the chat box. And those conversations, they will end up here, but it's pretty cool to watch them live. And we've got some great guests coming up next week. We have Andy Sizik. That's going to be a cool guest. We got Kyle from Picturesque the following week. And March 16th, Nothing Nowhere, who just put out a fantastic new record. So Joe will be joining us, Nothing Nowhere himself, live on Twitch. To check that out, it is twitch.tv slash Shane Told. Real easy. Go on there. Give us a follow. It's a great platform. If you think it's just video games and like nerd stuff, you're wrong. Music is a huge part of Twitch now, and I am super, super excited to be bringing this show on there. If you want to support the show, check out the Patreon too. The Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club for a couple bucks a month. It gets you in, and it really does help this show keep going as well. The link for that, leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. I want to thank everybody that tuned in to the Silverstein virtual concert series. Out of this world, we called it. There was a bit of an alien thing going on. Uh, spoiler alert. If you missed it, all three episodes are on demand right now. You can watch at your convenience at silversteinstore.com. But hurry because they're only going to be up until March 1st. That's 2021 if you're listening to this like five years from now. Uh, and we're back and we're playing shows. Oh my God, it'd be so good. <laughs> you're lucky to be where you are, people of 2025. But if you missed it, silversteinstore.com gets you in only for a few more days. And it's a really fun series. So if you like my band, be sure to check it out. Well, I know you want to hear this rad conversation that I had with Jeff. So let's just get right to it. Not waste any more time. I can't wait for you to hear it too. Here it is. My conversation with Jeff Rickley of Thursday and No Devotion. Yeah, dude, we've been trying to do this for a long time. Yeah, man, it, it's been like, I feel like since the first year of your podcast, <laughs> we've been talking about it, right? It's, it's true. And, you know, so many requests for you too on the show. Obviously, like a lot of people put our band in the same category because we were on sure. Victory Records for years and, and it makes a lot of sense. So, hey, it took five years, but but here we are. And yeah. it's really, really nice to speak with you. You know, it's, it's funny because I think the last time I talked to you was honestly like, maybe warp tour oh nine i think you guys were on Jeez. that one maybe yeah. man like, uh, we and like we're on oh wait we're on oh wait oh yeah. okay man. maybe it was even longer ago then um yeah that's crazy it is it is crazy i remember nerding out with um it was it was you and uh ben from armor for sleep okay. and we were in the lunch line on warp tour dude that lunch line right it's right like so many <laughs> friendships made and Enemy. I feel like enemies have been made on that lunch line too. <laughs> For sure, man. There's always a little drama in the lunch line. But but no, like I remember 
standing behind you guys in line and like i know ben pretty well and just listening to you guys talk about the glory days of uh, new brunswick basement shows and and stuff like that <laughs> was like a weird little canadian dream because you know i grew up idolizing new jersey like i you know with lifetime and penfold and the other great bands you know from from where you just i don't know if you took it for granted or you knew it was amazing but i remember i remember that moment and just listening to you guys like being a fly on the wall and just loving that so much so that's that's cool man that's awesome that you were like digging it and kind of like noticing it 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 really was a special thing and i definitely didn't take it for granted i was like so when i was a kid i lived in this is this is going to be a little inside baseball maybe for for (laughs) people who aren't from new jersey or new york but i was from like northern new jersey which was I was right across the river from New York city. Yeah. So for me, like when I was a kid, I went to the city to see shows. I went to, you know, I snuck into CBGBs before I was 16 because you had to have a, you had to be 16 to get into CBs. And once they knew you weren't 16, if you didn't have fake ID or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, they like looked out for you and were like, kicked you out, you know? So, um, I would go there, I'd go to Coney Island high, I'd go to the, the cooler, the, you know, there's all kinds of places you could go, the grand, the Academy, the Roseland ballroom. Like there were so many great places in in New York, you know? So that's what I thought. I thought like, I'm going to move to New York someday and it's going to be the best thing ever. And then I went to, you know, I moved to New Brunswick and got exposed to the, the, the basement scene before I had a basement, you know, it was like lifetime had a basement, the balancing souls had a basement. Like there were a lot of other bands that had basements before I had one. And I was just blown away. You know what I mean? This was something so much more tangible than even CBGBs. Like this wasn't a place where you got kicked out. If you were a kid, it was like all ages, people weren't drinking. It was very communal. Everybody knew everybody's name. Like the local bands pulled like, 80 kids to every basement show. You know what I mean? It was yeah. like one of those things where it's just like, and, and like our local bands were like the bouncing souls in lifetime. You know what I mean? It's like, that's insane. <laughs> it is. Um, it is. It is insane. And, and and I mean, it grew from there and, and what's cool about it is, is how much of a part of that you were. I mean, even I knew you, <laughs> like I knew <laughs> yeah. your name and I was in Canada because I knew about this kid that you know because you put shows on in your basement right like yeah we we, yeah, knew. we did the last you and i show yeah. Sasha's last time in new jersey was in our basement like yeah. there were a bunch of like pretty legendary shows we did like hot water music and leatherface like leatherface from the uk came and it was like hot water music kid dynamite leatherface that was all one show you know what i mean like we had shows like that where it's just stacked incredible um, incredible well your first the first thursday show was also in your basement right i mean i think yeah. i read midtown saves the day we're on that one which Midtown is, saves the day. The movie, I think it was Midtown saves the day. Movie life inside and Poison the Well when they had two singers. <laughs> right, it's incredible. So it was like that was one show. You know, that was yeah. our first show. Like we were a lucky band. That was our first show. Right, and I mean Poison the Well coming up all the way from Florida too. Like that's a trip. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, it's it's crazy. But but the thing that I think a lot of people these days, you know, kids don't understand was that shows back then everybody was kind of in it for this greater good. Like it didn't really matter what band you were in. I would be moshing for bands before I played, you know, and then I would go on stage wearing the clothes that I was wearing that day. And there was no rock star mentality at all. Like not at all. So I remember like a typical show for me when we were starting out was like, I'd get home from classes 
um, I'd check to see that like the flyers were still up and maybe I'd go to Kinko's where I had a friend working who would like flip me the card, the employee card and let me like do like a hundred free flyers. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, cause I still didn't have like, I didn't go on message boards. Like my roommate luckily did and would put up the f- show flyer on like angel fire sites. Yeah. But, uh, I'd go out, I'd go back down to the square. I'd go to the vegan places that we, that everybody ate at after shows. And I'd put up some flyers and it would be like free show donation at the door like just donate to the touring band you know what i mean whoever it is um i'd get home see if the bands were there yet hope they'd start showing up because sometimes like our headliner wouldn't show up till like 10 minutes to 11 at night or something you know what i mean be like, <laughs> yeah, be like, i yeah. don't know if there's a show um so so i'd go do all that and then i'd help the band load in and then i'd like sometimes if thursday was playing i'd make sure my guys were there we'd set up we'd play i'd break it down I'd talk to people like while the other band was setting up and then I'd stand in front of the stage, like the very, not stage, you know, there's no stages, right, right. I'd stand on in the front floor. of the band, <laughs> yeah. face to face with the band, like right in the front, just to kind of remind all the locals like, Hey, this band drove seven hours to be here. You know what I mean? They're going to get paid $60 for seven hours of driving. Like, let's make it worth their while. Let's be right here and pay attention. Yeah. And I remember like what you said about like moshing to the band before you played, like, um, I remember there'd be a moment where like a lot of times a friend would put me up to like putting on a band I didn't know where I'd just be wondering what they were like. And I'd be watching like to see the first song and I'd look over at like the three people next to me, you know what I mean? And we'd sort of smile like, yeah, this band rules, you know what I mean? And then like, and then everybody was in, it was like, because we didn't know, were they good? Were they not good? Were they cool? (laughs) Well, well, that's the thing. A lot of times, I mean, again, there was no, there was no way of listening to music even on like on the internet. You know, I, I remember right. you guys had like an mp3.com thing early on, but even like, bef- but that was all there was. And before that, there was nothing. And like, unless someone sent you a tape, literally yeah. a tape that because that was all there was. You'd never heard these bands before. I remember because <laughs> uh, I, 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 I'm from Oakville, Ontario, you know, just a suburb of Toronto. And I remember oh, yeah, yeah. there was I forget who was headlining the show, but this band from Buffalo was coming up to play. It was like their second show ever and they were called Buried Alive. <laughs> and, yeah. and like yes. seeing that, having <laughs> no idea what I what to expect, just like, okay, yeah, they're from Buffalo. I guess it's like ex-members of Hourglass. Oh, I really liked Hourglass. Um, you victory, know. victory Represent, by the way, yeah, when yeah. we're talking Buried of, Alive. Of course, right? this is that. I remember when Buried Alive signed to Victory and I was like, what? How? What? This is crazy. Like, But, but you know, seeing that and, and just the ability for a band to blow your mind like that right yeah. there in front of you. And you had no idea who they were. There's no stage. Mm-hmm. There's no, like there's a vocal PA. That's it. You know, you're standing behind the drum not kit, always. you know, like <laughs> not always. Yes. Yes. In the, the vocal PA where, where I grew up was, was my, our band, our band PA. I was one of the only kids that had a PA. That's so I, awesome. So mine would get borrowed for shows like every weekend. Someone would come by and get it and it'd have a you know a few more dents in the speaker grills and hey, it was what it was. But Yeah. That was part of being in a community back then. Exactly. That's that's like yeah. the biggest thing that I, I wanted to talk to you about was that, that community aspect because you were such a big part of it and then it seemed like you guys sort of got thrusted out of that community in a way you know you signed to a label like victory which is obviously still an indie label but 
I mean, we've all heard the horror stories now. I don't know what it was like <laughs> yeah. when you guys signed. Um, so, oh, yeah, that's but, a really good question. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I would love to talk to you about it because I've heard all the stories and everything from, you know, your contract to the Thursday whoopee cushion and, and all that stuff. But <laughs> obviously, I have a little bit more of a, a, a I have a deeper understanding of it all. Right. Being being that I was I was there for four albums with my own band. Dang, four. <laughs> yeah. We yeah, survived. Okay. We survived. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you, I mean, you guys thrived. You guys survived and thrived. And like, I'm really happy that you guys were able to make such a, such a great situation out of it. And so like, I guess probably I'd go back to like, um, why we even signed a victory? You know what I mean? And I think like looking back, it's easy to be like, why would you do that? But <laughs> at the time, um, you know, we were a New Brunswick band and there was a New Brunswick band on victory uh, a band called a band called Dead Guy, of course. And Dead Guy to me were like about as cool as you got when you got to be a little like older and a little like better than all the bands that I was playing with. You know what I mean? So I was like, whoa, you know, Dead Guy's label might right. be interested in us. <laughs> and like they just signed Grade. Yeah, like, the Grade record hadn't come out yet, and I was like, that's crazy. You know what I mean? They signed Grade, like. Like that, that EP separate the magnets EP was like a very defining, like, whoa, you know, I think the swarm hey. played our basement or something, Wow! but the great EP was all I could think about was like, for sure doing something cool. I mean, to know? jump in for a second, you know, they grew up 10 minutes, like we're the same scene. Greatest from yeah. 10 minutes from without grade. There's no Silverstein hundred percent. They're like my oh, biggest, for sure. my biggest influence. So and that's probably why we ended up on victory to be honest, but no, it's true. Like these bands, I mean, dead guy, so influential without dead guy, there's no Dillinger escape plan, for example. For sure. Yeah. And like a bunch of other stuff too. You know what I mean? Like, and to your point, I mean, the stuff that victory was putting out was, it was cool. It was cool. It was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was really cool. I mean, they had like a side that was like really tough guy, hardcore, which I like hardcore. So like that wasn't a turnoff for me. Like, sure. I wanted to do something else. I wasn't a tough guy. I didn't go kick people in the face at tough guy shows, but like, did I like firestorm? Yeah. <laughs> firestorm was awesome. You know what I mean? Like I loved ink and dagger and I loved that Sean like went to the show and threw yogurt at earth crisis because I thought that was insane. But like, I also really liked earth crisis. You know what I mean? People tend to like, be like, you're this or you're like this, you're this or you're like this back then. It was such a small scene. It was like, yeah, sure. Like I'm more on this side, but like, I like it all. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. You know what I mean? For sure. <laughs> like, yeah, I want to have the Dillinger escape plan play in the basement, but I also want to have Rainer Maria the next week, you know? Exactly. Um, exactly. So, so yeah, so we signed to the label and, you know, speaking of community, the first time that I realized maybe I didn't know what I was getting into was, so I started going to, if any victory band played, I would go to their show and introduce myself and say, Hey, we're label mates now. And yeah. I'm really excited because your band's awesome, you know? And like, anytime you want to show, I do shows in New Brunswick, New Jersey. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and yeah. the response that I got was not what I expected. No. Like, it was like, Oh, you're fucked. You guys are <laughs> fucked. <laughs> what did you do? Why would you sign a victory? And I was like, wait, <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> so that was a little shocking. And I also just kind of was like, but it's probably hazing. Like, I'm not familiar with this. I'm not like a football guy. 
Right. You know what I mean? Right. I'm not like a jock or whatever. <laughs> like, I just don't get their sense of humor. But I remember like Kyle being like, oh, dude, bad, bad idea. I don't know what you're thinking. And I was like, what? You know, and the Boy Says Fire guys just laughed, like laughed and laughed and laughed. And yep. I didn't even answer. They just thought it was so funny. Um, That's fu- that is funny. And I know <laughs> Kyle and Nathan very well now. You know, yeah. like we're all in our forties now, I guess. And um, I turned forty-two days ago. But you know, it's it is just oh, funny. Happy birthday! Oh, thank you, thank you, man. It's it, a good one. It's a big one. I was dreading it, and now I was like, man, it was like the best birthday of my life. It, it was, especially. Well, my my girlfriend did an incredible job of like putting together something really great for me, considering I can't do anything for my fortieth birthday. We're yeah, we're like on complete lockdown here in Canada, so. It was a really good time and I, and I'm like two days in and I feel like I've got a little spring in my step, which I wasn't expecting. So, but anyway, we're, I was also really sober, which was a big difference for me. Yeah. Um, at 40 to be, you know, to be celebrating a birthday sober was like really different and, um, and really good. So it was like a really positive birthday, but I love it. I'm psyched that we're both 40 and we're like, you know, yeah, it, it is, man. And and talking about the old days and and great and Boy Sets Fire and Victory Records and let's not get too off track because this is a great little flow we got here. But but yeah, the, and it was the same with Silverstein 2 when we signed and it's a little later uh-huh. down the road so we'd already heard. We, we went into this knowing, you know, we were... We could be fucked, but we also didn't really have a lot of options. Grade, grade gave them our, our CD, Charles from Grade. And... um who now makes records with Bruno Mars, which is super weird, but, um, Oh, right. He played, uh, yeah, he put, he played with a bunch of people in between. Right. I remember seeing him and being like on TV shows with like other, other artists and being like, wait a second. Yeah. He, for a while, well, that's a, just a completely weird story. I'll tell it really quick. Cause it's a good one. So yeah, my friend Charles from grade played drums in grade for a little while. And this was summer of Oh two. And, you know, we Silverstein, we felt like we finally had some our shit together a little bit uh-huh. and we were going to send off some some demos. So mm-hmm. I randomly talked to Charles and he's like, hey, man, um, did you just send one to did you send one to Victory? And I was like, yeah, we sent one. But he's like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll call them. I'll make sure they listen, you know, listen to it. So I was like, OK, so literally like two days later, they call us and want to sign us and the whole process starts mm-hmm. and probably like we have the contract we're about to sign it we're going to go down this this road i get a call from avril levine's management yeah that's exactly what i was talking about yes and i get a call from from them who and i the only reason they know who i am is because i i was filling in and playing bass for my buddy's band that was kind of more like a a more mainstream kind of act i was filling Mm -hmm. in for, for them so they they call me and and it was so funny. They said, "Yeah, like you just you really have the right look we're looking for." And I was like, "Oh no, like that's the worst yeah. thing you could have said to me." Yeah, like I'm yeah, definitely yeah, not me doing it well. now. Uh, I was probably wasn't anyway, but I'm definitely not doing it now. And I I just said to Charles, I was like, "Hey man, I know you don't have a band and you're like the most cool punk guy ever, but like, hey, maybe you could do this." And he did. And he was in the band for like two years and that got him, you know, moved to LA and now he's, yeah, now he's, he's got a few Grammys for working with Bruno Mars, which is, and, and he's doing awesome. And I love that guy. So incredible. It, yeah. it, it is incredible how so many people that are in like the top of mainstream charts and working on this stuff, like grew up in the community that we, we talked about at the beginning of the conversation. 
That's, well, that's we such actually a cool look thing out for too. each other. I feel like the community that we came from, it's like you actually do want to look out for people and get them a gig and have like good people around as much as you can in the music industry. Yeah. So like we tend to like try and, and, and help our friends up. Whereas I think there are some other aspects of the industry that can be quite cutthroat. And so like you do see a lot of like hardcore kids like playing in high levels now because we actually sort of like look out for each other. You know? Exactly. A hundred percent. Okay. So you're going to these shows. Everyone's telling yeah. you you're fucked and yeah. you, so you, you, you make, um, we make full collapse. Yeah. And that record, which obviously is a classic now in so many ways and you deliver this record to the label. Yeah. What was the reaction? Uh, they didn't like it, right? Yeah. They weren't crazy about it. Tony was like, cross out the eyes is Okay. Um, but there's no single and like the only even song that maybe if we edit it, we could give to radio or something is like, um, is standing on the edge of summer. And we were like, well, one thing, what does the radio have to do with anything? Like this is yeah. victory records. You know what I mean? Like we didn't get that they had aspirations to be a much bigger label. We were like, as opposed to what, like the hate breed record is your biggest record. You know what I mean? Like, what do you mean singles? <laughs> so wasn't it weird? Kind of, wasn't it weird that they had like three commercial radio people working there? Like I don't know if they did yet. They had a radio they department. Did yet. They they yeah. did when we signed. We, I couldn't believe it. I yeah, was I think they maybe had two people at the time. Yeah, yeah. so strange to me. Mm-hmm. But, no, yeah, it was pretty weird, and and we were kind of like didn't really know what to make of it. Um, like Tony had a call with me where he's like, "Tell me your favorite record label." And I was like, Discord <laughs> Records, you know, Fugazi, like Q and Not You, like Lungfish. I, yeah, it's clear to me, like Discord Records. Oh, I bet he, he called like, them. Mean, I bet he called them losers instantly. He was like, they mean nothing. Yeah. He's like, that's the past. That's over. Victory Records is now the future. Mm. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because that yeah. I just didn't even think that was a possibility of how somebody would like think about stuff. It didn't seem community to me, which is what I was interested, you know? Um, I didn't want to like beat my peers or be like bigger or better. I just wanted to be part of the community with like my own voice getting to say something, you know? Um, For sure. With Kizik Can's free shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Well, you guys, I mean, there wasn't success out of the gate at all. But you no, know, you worked a year. You, you but you worked hard, and you did a lot of tours. And you know, I think the friendships that you'd made earlier paid off because you were on a lot of tours, and yeah. you ended up, you know, taking notice. And then all of a sudden, understanding the car crash is on MTV, and that was a wild moment, not just for you guys, I bet, but honestly for all of us to see 
that song on, on on like the most mainstream outlet there there is. That was a yeah. really big like a huge moment that doesn't get talked about a lot, you know, when people want to bring up the history of emo or whatever, you know? Yeah, it was it was a pretty crazy breakthrough and and it was like, you know, it, it was it was very unexpected since we spent 8 months, you know, with the label talking about dropping us and like nobody cared about our records and you know it was just kind of like so it was sort of out of nowhere we were on tour saves the day and this there's this huge like the song just broke through and by the end of the tour like literally in in a couple weeks everybody knew every word to every song and like you know it's just a complete overnight transformation we had been working really hard and like really being on the road but it but the success didn't come gradually it came it came all at once and so like by the end of that tour we were booking our own headlining tour for places twice as big as we had just been on a one of four you know we were one of four with saves the day yeah and now we're about to headline places twice as big and, and our booking agents like you're gonna sell every single date out and i just like i didn't even know what to think about that because it just seemed so foreign you know and and then immediately victory was was messing with us and just kind of nagging us, which I didn't even understand was a concept at the time. Like I didn't understand that somebody could be negative towards you, but not hate you and want to get rid of you. It was just sort of like a control thing, I think. Yeah. hundred percent. And and so as soon as you guys gave that demo to victory, they immediately started telling us that they didn't need us anymore, that we weren't important, that they had like the better Thursday from Canada. No way. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think it got in our heads a little bit, but I think we were also like, you know, a, a, like probably just smart enough to be like, Silverstein sounds more like grade than like third. Like they don't really sound like us. Like I get what he's saying. It could fill the same slot, but it's like not their fault that he's like trying to make us feel bad with them. You know what I mean? It was like a weird thing, but it was sort of like, yeah, it doesn't have anything to do with those dudes. You know what I mean? That's crazy. Um, no, I had no idea that that was ever a, a conversation or a threat or anything. I mean, we we had the same, you know, I, I went through the same motions that you went through, you know, hitting up yeah. bands that were on the label and being like, hey, we're label mates. And like, you know, I never heard of Taking Back Sunday before. And, and Victory mm-hmm. sent me their CD and I was like, this is fucking good. And like, mm-hmm. I, I would love to like, tour with these and then of course they blew up and then that wasn't a, a possibility but you know we were yeah we were trying to tour with you guys and atreyu you and and i mean every sure. band on the label and we never ever toured with any of those bands because nobody yeah. wanted to help out tony right that well, was more what it was he was you know one week he's like you have to take them on tour which is like that's the wrong approach you have to right because it's like well yeah. i don't have to do anything it's like, if you're in a band, that's your response to somebody telling you you have to do something. It's like, I don't have to do anything. <laughs> and then his second approach would be like, because they're better than you and I'm going to make them more famous than you. And you're like, oh, screw you. Wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, screw you. I don't want to help you or your bands. Wow. And uh, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate because I think like, you know, there's a lot of people that should be friends from that era. You know what I mean? Like it took, yeah. even like the taking back Sunday guys who I was already friends with, like it got weird because we were both on this label and he's trying to play us against each other. You know, it's just, it's just, it got really weird. Yeah. All of that stuff. Yep. Um, it's crazy. But I'm glad that like, we all seem to have gotten through it. Okay. With our heads intact and we're all buddies still. And it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's all good. Like it didn't get to us. It didn't like break us down or anything you know so 
No, and we, you know, we all got out. You guys got out pretty soon Real after, fast. Uh, which yeah. is kind of incredible when I look at, at, you know, we did, we did four albums. We completed our whole contract and yeah. Trey was on the label for a long time too. And they wanted to get out. And I read that you guys had, you guys could get out if you signed to a major. That was, that was your, the loophole. That, that was, was the loophole in our contract. What yeah. a weird loophole. It was, uh, so like, there's a thing that we learned then, which is that like, if a contract is badly written, if it's ambiguous, then the, the room to move on it goes against the person who wrote the contract. Okay. So it was ambiguous that said like, you know, basically like, unless you go to a major label was sort of an ambiguous thing. It wasn't explicitly said. I don't think it was meant to be in there in that way. I think it was meant to say we could sell you to a major label, right. but because it was written very like loosely around that, we were able to kind of, we were able to kind of, you know, get, a, get away with going instead of being sold. Cause he was in the process of selling the whole label at the time. Right. And we didn't want to end up where he was selling. Right. Us. That was the, the MCA so. thing, right. That, that, exactly. was, that yeah, never, exactly. never shook out, but it did. I think, I think it shook out and then it like, and then it weirdly fell through after the fact is, is my impression. That right. that it, it, yeah. yeah. That it did actually go through. And then before all the payments were made, it was like a, a blow up happened, which, you know, I can see how that might happen, I guess. Oh, absolutely. If you didn't know anything about Tony. Uh, but the, so, so this is like, I'm just trying to get into your, into your, your psyche and your mindset here. And I, I want to sure. talk about that too, because you've been through so much, but so all of a sudden, you know, you're one of four opening for your buddy saves the day that you literally know from yeah. your own basement. Yeah. You know, you, then you have all of a sudden, pretty much overnight, you have a song blowing up, up on MTV. You're playing 1500 cap rooms, selling them out. And mm -hmm. now you're signed to a major label. And I read this thing and, and, and I never heard this before. So don't, I don't want you to think that I heard this before, but people called you tone Jeff. You oh, know, yeah. you weren't oh, dude, super yes. comfortable as a singer. You didn't feel like you were really a singer. You were kind of like this kid that was really into this community and into this scene and you really cared about it. And now you're put on this place where it's like, okay, now you, you, you have to be a rock star now and you don't have a choice. You have to do yeah. these things. And, and I just, that must've been so incredibly uh, difficult, um, scary for you. Oh yeah. It was, you know, basically like, basically I think there was sort of a sense for me, like, yeah, we're going to get out of this victory thing, which is going South like real fast. And we're going to end up somewhere where they appreciate us, you know, which is what every label clearly seems like they really appreciate you when they're like, oh, this band's going to be huge. Like, I really want to sign them. So I was like, they get what we do. They appreciate us. But, you know, it became a thing that's like, well, now you have a chance to actually be like one of the biggest bands in the world. And like, it's going that way, you know, like this record's heading towards gold very, very quickly on like a, a, a little tiny indie that's never sold even 100,000 records before. And, yep. you know, you guys are a phenomenon. Like at the time, bands from our scene didn't didn't get as big as Thursday was getting. Like it was really it was really a phenomenon at the time. You know, afterwards, like, sure, we've had tons of huge bands come out of our scene. But like at the time, this was sort of like, what is happening? Yes. So um, so suddenly, you know, that it is like, but you need to be able to sing. And it's like, well, I, I sing, I, do, you know, I do my thing. And it's like, yeah, but you're tone deaf, you know, you're tone Jeff, you're, you don't, you can't sing. 
And that was like, oh, you're going to try and change me. Like, you're going to try, you're going to try and make me into something that I'm not. And like, actually my band probably wants me to be able to sing better. Like actually maybe everybody wants me to sing better. And like, maybe even I want to be able to sing better, but you know, wanting it doesn't necessarily make it possible. So it was, uh, it was scary. And they gave, they got me a vocal coach who was like, you know, probably $250 a session, like twice a week or something crazy. Um, and he had five, he had five students. It was me, (laughs) my hero, PJ Harvey, who was who I wanted to sing like my whole life. Um, Bono, (laughs) Christina, Christina Aguilera and Mick Jagger (laughs) were his other students. Wow. And so like, I would be struggling with something. He'd be like, you're my only student that can't get this. Oh my God. I think like, well, yeah. Yeah, Christina like, Aguilera is one of them. <laughs> yeah, like, what do you expect, man? Like, like I can't get something that Bono can get. Like, oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> you know? But, uh, but you know, I tried. And, like, I was singing better. You know, on World of Time, I sang a lot better than I sang on Full Collapse. And, you know, but I was singing higher and that was a lot harder for me to hit on tour, which was like, so it it became like a whole different, I I basically traded out my issues, which is that the newer songs I could sing better, but the newer songs were harder to sing live. So I was singing worse live. And then like we played Conan on Thanksgiving, which is like, that's the biggest show you can play on Thanksgiving. It's like Conan O'Brien. And we had just done like nine months of touring and my voice was completely shot, completely shot. Like I couldn't sing at all. And it was like, we played our ballad. We played what was going to be our second single war all the time. And like, I just couldn't, I couldn't sing. You know what I mean? It was like painful. It was like a painful thing for me to be stuck in that situation where it was all being decided for me. And I had to go out there and sing something that I could not sing because I was so exhausted. Um, And that was really tough, man. That was really it really did some psychological damage. Um, Mm. and from that point forward, I I started trying to break up the band over and over and over again. Um, and it was really tough, you know, cause I loved the band. It was like the best thing I've ever done in my life. And I love those guys, but I just couldn't handle an expectation on me. That was something that I probably would never reach. And with something that like, it was not one of my dreams was not to be like the next big famous singer who could sing perfectly. It was never one of my dreams. Like I had already gone farther than my dreams. I had already gotten bigger than like lifetime or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And that was to me was like, what, you know, I, all these other dreams that everybody else has, these aren't my dreams and I don't know what to do with them. And that was really tough. Uh, yeah, that was really tough. Yeah. <laughs> wow. No, I mean, she's the TV performance is such a, <laughs> <laughs> nobody does well it's it's really yeah. hard it's you know everything is super unnatural and then like a lot of times it's like happens at a weird time like if you do the uh-huh. morning ones like forget that but oh, even, even if it's not then like still like no one sounds good on tv no one does yeah you know and then some rant like it's it's even if you have someone mixing it they still like you're have not their allowed own. to have monitors as a singer you know what it's like, yeah. it's like you're not allowed to have a monitor because it, it shows up the monitor itself messes up the audio for TV. So 
it's like, well, how am I supposed to sing myself? It's like, use your in-ears. I don't have in-ears. Uh, I don't know what yeah. to do. You know, uh, it was really scary. Uh, uh, man. Well, that's crazy. I mean, yeah, you know, you say, you say I tried to break up the band over and over again and mm-hmm. you guys did sort of seemingly fall into this place where, yeah, you, you guys did seem to kind of come and go a little bit over the time like i wasn't sure like oh i heard they're breaking up oh they did break up oh well they're back together well they're doing this you know it was from a a, a, an outsider but also like a a a peer of yours it was confusing Mm -hmm. um and you know i know that you started dealing with addiction um Mm -hmm. and heroin and everything which i Mm -hmm. had heard rumblings about from friends Mm -hmm. mutual friends of ours saying they're worried about you but i didn't know if i believed it um, yeah. but it seems like that it led all this pressure led you down a really dark path. Yeah. I mean, there was, you know, it wasn't just the band. There was like a lot of other stuff going on, obviously. Like, sure. you know, we all end up having to have lives inside the confines of like being gone 10 months a year. And, um, you know, and like I let a lot of the other parts of my life just sort of blow up because, the band was in the way of all of it. And, um, and yeah, and just, I stopped enjoying being in a band because like, I, there was never going to be a good enough for me. There was never going to be like a point where I could get off stage and feel good about the show because like, I just wasn't able to sing to the level that people expected me to be able to. Well, it's like any growth that I had, which was a lot like between that time period, like I got, to be a much better singer, but it just wasn't ever enough, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and, and so it was like, there was, I didn't have a really like my life outside the band was kind of disappearing and my life inside the band was like only frustration and kind of like depression and feeling like not good enough. And I think it really like, I think those like later records are really good and really interesting. And I think like the band wrote really amazing music, but I think you can definitely see me turning in a really dark direction and just being like going from sad songs to just like totally self hating, like, you know what I mean? Just really like Mm -hmm. a really dark turn from like sort of innocent kind of sad music, like the early records to kind of like a really dark place. And, and I think, it was like when the band broke up, it was like, well, you know, at least I didn't die out on the road or something, which is where it was probably going to head because I just couldn't handle it, you know? Um, and then, and then like the band getting back together and, and me getting sober was like a huge, uh, positive thing. And like, it was beautiful. And like, the band was playing better and I was singing, all of a sudden I could sing all these songs and <laughs> it was just one of those things that like all the pressure was off. Like the band had already broken up, broken up and not been like the next Nirvana or whatever everybody wanted us to be like way back. And it, instead, like we had left our own mark, you know? And like, I had like, I had like found and produced the first, like my chemical romance record. And like, I had, I had kind of like a different career than the one that I w- maybe expected and the, uh, different than the ones that other people wanted for me. But suddenly like I was like oh I'm proud of this actually like I don't feel like I I screwed up like I feel like I did my part to have 
something new to say in the conversation. And that's, that's enough for me. You know, that's what I want. And suddenly I could sing all these songs. Right. Suddenly like everybody liked our band again, where like the last few records of our career, if you remember from being like, you know, sort of like contemporaries, like, people stopped coming to see our shows and people stopped buying our records. Like it got really like, you know, and people could tell it was too dark and it was like a bad situation. And then suddenly like when I was like sober and out there touring and like feeling good and happy, like all of a sudden it's like, you know, it's like when full collapse came out, like everybody's coming to see us. We're selling out two nights in every city. And it's like, it was like pretty good again, you know? So like, I feel really lucky um, that I made it out the other side. And like, I don't expect it to always be like that or anything. You know, it's like renaissance is come and go just like popularity does. But, um, but it was a really positive thing for me to just sort of get to enjoy, get to enjoy it a little bit for once for in sure. my life. Well, that's, that's the thing. And, and, you know, I turned, turned 42 days ago. It's a big milestone and everyone's like, Oh, you know, like half the people were like, Oh my God, you're like doing so well. And you look so great. And other people were like, you're fucking old. Wow. <laughs> you know? And it's, and it's like, yeah, I am old and, and maybe I'm, not in as you know as good shape as I used to be, and I've got a lot of gray in my beard and and you know wrinkles on my face and all that. But you develop, you you get a little more comfortable in your in your own skin, yeah. you know, as you get older. And it's mm-hmm. it's it isn't quite the same as confidence. I don't I don't really know how to explain it. It's sort of confidence, but it's different. And there's a weird acceptance that you've sort of like moved on from your youth and now mm-hmm. you've taken all that and you are your, you are kind of your own man now. And I, I really like that you, that you figured that out. And it's, it's really interesting from my perspective, especially like when you talk about, Oh, uh, you know what Tony said about, Oh, we've got this new van from Canada and they're like you guys, but better. And this guy can yeah. fucking actually sing or whatever, like yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. he definitely, said, right. That was definitely said. Yeah. Right. Like yes. th- this kind of stuff is, is funny to me because we, we were, we were shit talk the other way. We were like, Oh, they're just a Thursday ripoff, you know? Right. And, and Oh, they're just like, this is just repackaged Thursday because victory had success on this. So they've found another band and, and like with all due respect, I, you know, I hadn't heard full collapse when I, you know, when we were making those songs, like I hadn't heard them yet. So there, it wasn't the case. We, you know, so I was mad or whatever. Right. And at the same time, I, I, you know, once I learned about your band and I really looked up to you guys and I looked up to you as this guy that, you know, everyone admired and you, you know, you were this kid from New Jersey and you put on these shows and, you know, yeah, you found My Chemical Romance and, and all this stuff. And I never expected you to be, you guys to be the next Nirvana or anything. You you were doing your own thing. But it's so yeah. funny how, you know, you get, everyone gets, gets in their own head about yeah. what everyone's saying or what they're hearing or negativity. And then you kind of forget your own path and what you've done and your own successes, which now you've realized and it's a really beautiful thing. And I I love that, that seemingly you've manifested success and and positivity through your own personal success (laughs) and positivity. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's really, I don't want to get too, you know, capitalist critique. I can save that for some other podcast, (laughs) but I do think that we have, trouble in our current society letting different voices coexist and be communal because we understand things best in like a ranking system who's the best who's number one who's number two who's number three who could you know i mean and like 
And I think like that really manifests itself in the arts. Like people try and say who's best, who's next, who's ripping off, who's this, who's that. And it's really, really, and really enjoy turning us on each other and like really want to provoke a, you know, what do you think about this? This person said this, what do you think about this kind of, you know what I mean? That kind of like, what can I say to get them to be like, no, fuck them then if they said that, you know what I mean? And then it starts to chain reaction. It's like, you can make headlines about it and then people can understand that they don't like each other or whatever. Um, and it, it's such a shame because, you know, the best experiences that I've ever had are when I'm helping other artists to find themselves. And like, that's, you know, what I was lucky enough to do with My Chemical Romance. I was lucky enough to have a hand in that with Touche Amore. Yeah. And like, you know, and a handful of other bands. And like, when you can help somebody see how special and unique they are, and then they like blossom out from it and become become not bigger, you know, not more successful than you saw, but they become something beyond your vision for them because they are truly unique it's like a really wonderful feeling you know because that's something that like you get to help give the world was like another give another artist their voice and like you know they'll save people's lives like i i believe that you know like art has saved my life over and over again so like you know being a part of that chain and seeing like all of us together you know working working to make something special um for the world uh is, is that's the part that like I've gotten to really, really, really love and just feel so thankful for this, this whole life that I've had is like getting to be a part of that and getting to have like friendships. Like I've made with all these people along the way and, you know, like friends with people like you who, who, who others have tried to turn me against you, you know, <laughs> and say like, Oh, he's the guy that can sing and should have my job. Like screw him. Right. Um, <laughs> so funny. But like, instead we get to like laugh about it all now, you know, yeah. I and mean, that's the beauty in, in getting to be 40 and like, and having survived, <laughs> you know? No, I know. I know a hundred percent, man. That's, that's a beautiful thing. I'm, I'm really glad that you're, you've come out on the other side and, and that you're doing so well. Um, I want to nerd out on Thanks, you. For, I want to nerd out on you for one second. So one of my favorite records that's ever existed, ever put out, pressed on vinyl, is the Thursday Envy split. Oh, yeah. I absolutely love that record, and I really want to know the story behind it. Um, obviously, <laughs> like, yeah. Envy, for people that don't know, they're from Japan. They sing in Japanese. They don't really sing, actually. It, they, they either scream or talk, and yeah. they're super experimental, in a lot of ways, they're they're super hard to describe. They have beautiful, like clean parts, but then they also have spastic, like almost like power violence parts. It's it's really Definitely. really yeah. an interesting band. And then you made this split with them. I don't know, mm -hmm. ten more than ten years ago, ten twelve years ago. Yeah, more than ten years ago. Yeah. And it's awesome. And I just want to <laughs> know how that happened because you guys did a song together, right? As well. Yes. Yeah, so the way that it came about is kind of funny, like. I was really into Envy and like Envy had done maybe around the time of their first record, they had done a split when they were just a thrash band. They weren't yet experimental. Mm -hmm. They were like a straight up thrashy power violent band in the nineties. They hadn't done a lot, but they did a split with a new Brunswick band um, called Endeavor. Oh yeah. And, yeah. and so I was aware of them because of that split, I wasn't like, I love Envy. I was like, fucking cool Japanese thrash band, you know, like they're cool, whatever. 
didn't think about them until uh, I heard that they had done a record on Level Plane, which was, you know, Seisha and all these other great bands on Level Plane. And I was like, huh, I didn't really think of them as a Level Plane band. And then I heard all the footprints and I was like, what? This is amazing. Like, I love this band. And then somebody told me, oh, they're about to put out an even better one on Temporary Residence. Yeah. And so when I heard a dead sinking story, I was like, yes, you know, this is it. This is like, cause I kept trying to push there's, you know, I was starting to think already in terms of the first United Nations record. And after war all the time, I thought we could be like fast, thrashy power violence with like these big, beautiful, like lush cure parts in, in between and, and the rest of my band was like, you're insane. <laughs> you're insane. But then when the, the Envy record came out, they were like, oh, I, I guess I can kind of see what you mean. You know, I don't think that's <laughs> necessarily for us, but like this band's awesome. So I was just really into them and they were finally playing New York and we were home and it was the temporary residence. Like, I think it was their 10 year anniversary as a label showcase. And they were sort of famous at the time for having found explosions in the sky and put out explosions in the sky. And so they did like a a three night thing in in New York and I got tickets for the envy show and I went and they were amazing. And the guy who owned the label, Jeremy, he had said something in between bands. He had said like, thank you for coming out. Like it means a lot, you know, kind of thing. And afterwards everybody's leaving and I was looking at the merch and I noticed that he wasn't leaving. He picked up a broom and started sweeping up the club like helping the staff clean the club after the show, which I was like, Oh, he's like, he's like us. You know what I mean? Like he's like, this is a, a group effort. And, and if there are people that are cleaning the floor because of my showcase, I'm going to try and help them, you know? And I was just like, that's awesome. I'm going to go say hi to that guy and tell him how great I think his label is and how thankful I am that somebody put out this envy record. And I'm going to offer him to help in any way that I can. If it's, to, do, to take them on tour or whatever, you know? Sure. So I'm talking to him for a few minutes. He's super friendly and he's kind of, he's not, he's clearly very tired and sort of like, who is this guy? You know, <laughs> like, and yep, I'm like, yeah, yep. if you, you know, I could give you my number if you ever need any help with envy. And he was like, Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, sure. What's the name of your band? And I was like, Oh, it's called Thursday. Like the day of the week. <laughs> and he's totally dead silent and he's just sweeping the floor. And after a minute, he's like, you know, there's already like a pretty big band called Thursday. <laughs> 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 Which I thought was <laughs> the most genius thing that I was like, oh yeah, that's my band. And he's like, oh, you're kidding me. He's like, your band is huge. Like, would you really want to do something with Envy? And I was like, yeah, I love them. They're amazing. You know, whatever I can do, like, tell me. And we kept trying to get the tour together for like maybe two years. And then finally, uh, we were off the major label. And uh, he was like, what about a split? And yeah, that's how it happened. It was really cool. It was one of my... After like the two records that everybody loves, it's one of my proudest things that we've ever done is that we got to do that split. Yeah. Um, I love it. Thank you for the story. That's <laughs> sorry man, if it that's, was so long. No, no, no. It was worth it. Right. The, just, just, just a lo- just for the guy sweeping the floor. <laughs> and say, I, like, I just have this vivid image in my mind of that. 
<laughs> like I don't know what the guy looks like, but I uh, but I do, you know. <laughs> yeah, and he's the best man. That label, I give them so much love and respect. Like he's really grown that label into something super special, and he's done it one step at a time. You know, he's never taken the easy way that could have gotten his label much bigger. He's really been patient with it, and he's he's awesome. We did we did two United Nations releases with him, and he's just awesome. 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 Yeah. So, um, well, Hey, I won't take up too much more of your time. I, we got to shout out velocity records right now. Um, you guys signed yeah. to, to velocity records. Who's coming in hot with a whole bunch of new, um, uh, signing a whole bunch of bands. This is, uh, yeah. Dave Shapiro who's booked Silverstein forever. I've known, I've known him forever. I mean, he was in a victory band too. count the stars back right. in the day, uh, which yes. is crazy. Victory alum- alumni, um talk to me about that like you you have some stuff coming out can we expect some new thursday music finally (laughs) uh not yet (laughs) not yet that's not part of the plan yet okay um you know i mean there was a moment where we thought we would start seeing what would happen and then covid hit and it really it really screwed everything up um, for us just because we we're at a place where we were ready to stop touring and to spend a little more time at home. And we were like, maybe we could see, you know, yeah. before we had to get jobs and stuff, maybe we could see if there was like time for like a, a, a later chapter. And, uh, and really like, because we've all been isolated and not been able to get together and some of us, you know, live in different States and stuff, it really screwed that up. And so some of the guys have had to sort of commit to their next like little bit of the chapter in their lives. I'm not saying it'll never happen, but it really did screw it up. And um, that's been a bum out for me because I was hoping to like sort of sneak out some new music maybe with Thursday, sort of like nobody saw it coming. (laughs) Um, And now it's just like, oh, I don't know that's going (laughs) to, that's not going to happen. That's not happening so far, you know? Right. Well, the longer, Um, the longer it goes, do you feel more pressure? Like, is it, does it get harder? Cause it's been a long time. It's been over a decade since we've written new Thursday music. Yeah. Is that make it, and, um, that must make it tougher. It just makes it weirder because Thursday was a chemistry band. And it used to be that like, no matter how weird the ideas that we had for writing were, you know, sometimes we just stick together 30 parts and call it a song. Like there was no chorus. There's no, you know, it's just like mm-hmm. whatever. And it would just work because we were so in sync with each other. You know what I mean? Like, we spent all our time together. We were always on stage together. Like, you know, some, we did like over 300 shows in, in some years. It's like, yeah. Yeah, that's insane. You know it what is. I mean? Um, so we would just like, whatever it was, no matter how weird it was, it would just work because we were so, so good together. And now it's like, it's just been so long since we've had that kind of connection that it's, it's hard to say what it'll be like if, if we're able to pull something new out. So it's not so much pressure. It's just like, I just don't, I don't know if it would work, you know, like maybe it will, maybe it won't. Um, but I, you know, our only rule for each other is like the only way we'd ever release music again is if it was awesome. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's like no, no point in releasing something that sucks. Like, like we're not going to be like road dogs again. We're not going to be like, trying to chase like chart success again or something you know what i mean like the only reason is like it's so good people got to hear how good this music is you know it's like why else would we do it at that point um but you know those guys are so talented that i think like if we ever do get a chance to write again like probably something cool will come out of it but it's just yeah it's gotten a little bit ridiculous how long it's been since we've released music um 
but you know, I've got a new record coming out on velocity for no devotion. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably, it's probably some of the best stuff I've ever done in my life. And awesome. I hate saying that cause everybody says that every new record, but man, it is, <laughs> it's so good. Like I find it, I find myself really like, I just want it to come out cause it's so fucking good. It's so good. It makes me so happy cause it's really sad. It's extremely sad. It's like a really, really sad record, but it's not hopeless and it's not like self-hating dark. Like I was getting towards the end. It's like a really beautiful, sad, pretty record. And, um, I'm really excited for that to come out on Velocity too, and the stuff that's coming out from Thursday on Velocity is 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 really cool. I'm really psyched about it, um, and I think like our die our diehard fans will really love it. It's not gonna it's not gonna win any new fans over. It's definitely for our fans. Um, yes, well, yeah. So with yeah. The, with the new with the no devotion and stuff, I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, you talk about COVID putting a damper on Thursday's plans. How are you? How are you working on music with those guys? I mean, being that they're from uh, from from Wales. Yes, yeah, that, that so must be tough. We finished like right before. I mean, that's just getting to, and like when I'm like, I just really wanted to come out. It's because we finished to have it ready. We should have been on tour all of 2020, basically. Oh yeah, that's like it's been done, and it's so sick, and I'm so proud of it. And like even when I was on my last few Thursday shows, like with my cam and stuff, like. I, they had already heard the record and were like, damn dude, this is pretty good. Like you're singing, you're singing really good. Like this sounds awesome. Um, so I'm pretty, I'm pretty amped about it. And I think like even the people who didn't really get into the first no devotion record, um, we're re-releasing that too. So like, I think, I just think it's, it's kind of that band's time right now. I'm really excited about it. So awesome. Yeah. Awesome. That's great. I can it's barely contain my excitement. No, I know. I, I can hear it in your voice so much. Like you're getting all giddy with this. And that's um that's amazing. So do do you have a release date for that? I didn't see um if there was one. No, there's one song that we decided to rework. So um so like I don't think it'll be held back too much because of COVID, but but um but we're gonna finish we're gonna sort of basically one of the songs like the way that band works, we'll sort of do a bunch of different versions of a song like what's the ballad version of the song? Like, what's the banger version? What's the heavy version of the song? Oh, yeah. And like, at the last minute we realized, oh, if this was like, if this one song was like beachy and slow and sounded like kind of like a washed out memory, like, oh, we should do it like that. <laughs> nice. And and um, just to, to wrap up your other projects you're doing, are you, you're doing some writing too? I, I read that you're uh creative writing or or what oh yeah what, what's up I've with been that working on something i've been working on something for i've got uh yeah i've been not kind of getting into it too much but i've been working on something writing wise that um that i that is it's been a lot of work it's been a, i've been putting a lot of time and work into it like secretly over the last four years i've been kind of like working on it nonstop. so um so every time I hear like Joyce Carol Oates on a podcast talking about writing two novels a year, I'm like, you're insane. How do you do that? <laughs> um, but I guess, you know, it's sometimes I think of like, you know, writing as a sort of second language that comes after songwriting because songwriting, I, I really love it. And I think I'm, a, I think I do a very good job as, as much as I have a challenge with singing I'm an, a natural lyricist and I love writing song lyrics, but awesome. that being said, 
it's a totally different set of skills when you're writing something longer. Cause I feel like the limitation of the length of songs is a huge help for me, you know, having to cram it in and take things apart and rework them until they fit inside three or four minutes is like a, it's a beautiful limitation. And, And I always loved like Fugazi not having effects and stuff. It's like limitations are your friends in art. They really help, you know? Um, absolutely well hopefully we hear some news about that project soon i mean if you're, if you're spending that much, if you're spending that much time on it i i hope it amounts to you know i hope i hope it, you know I, I hope it doesn't just dwell uh, in, in you know in your own head or in your own um in your own uh, manuscript you know i i, I would love yeah. to to see what that's all about so that's uh, cool thanks Shane. that's cool yeah. man well dude uh what else to tell the people anything else we missed uh or any anything else to plug no uh um not really i mean i'm just so thrilled to be talking to you man and and, uh thanks for having me on i'm glad we finally got it together it's so cool yeah yeah no it's it's funny i just i have this i've had this huge smile on my face just just reminiscing about the old times and then hearing these stories that i didn't even know about about myself (laughs) it's just wild but but um i just love this conversation so much thank you yes it's been a pleasure thank you shane take care until next time man Sounds good. Thanks, buddy. So there it is with Jeff. I absolutely loved every second of that conversation. I want to thank him so much for doing it. Finally, long overdue. And it looks like No Devotion is going to have some stuff coming out real soon. That's exciting. Keep your ear to the ground for all that news. Maybe we'll get some more Thursday stuff. Probably some shows. I don't know, but can't wait to find out. Next week, I'll be back with another great episode. And don't forget, Tuesdays, 3 p.m. Eastern, I'm on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Shane Told. I will have on Andy Sizik of all of his great projects. The guy's awesome. What a singer. That's free. That's live. So check it out. Wednesday, I'll be on with Mike Howell discussing the top five new releases and big week for music this week and next week. Make sure you check it out on Friday. We talk about Architects and No Effects putting out new albums. So that's on the podcast feed. Just scroll down or up and you'll see all these these episodes. We still don't have a name for our new show, but we'll figure something out. Regardless, it's a lot of fun talking to Mike and I guarantee you, you will find out about some great new music that you didn't otherwise know. So check that out too. All right. I'm going to leave you with a tune. I played Understanding in a Car Crash as the little intro song. Of course, everybody knows that. But I want to play you one you might have missed that I love. This is the first track from the Thursday Envy Split. I think Thursday put it out again on another record, but I like this version more. It's called As He Climbed the Dark Mountain. Here it is, Thursday on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love, and I'll see you next time.